Good morning. Welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. My name is Brian Kiley, and I am the minister here, and it's a pleasure to be with you. We have many visitors today, thanks to the two dedication services, so we hope that you will feel welcome in our company. The Unitarian Church of Edmonton is a liberal, religious, multi-generational community. We celebrate a rich mosaic of free-thinking, spiritual-questing individuals joined in common support and action. We welcome diversity, pursue the common good, and work for justice. We believe in the compassion of the individual heart, the warmth of community, and the search for meaning in our lives. We gather with gratitude this morning on Treaty 6 land. A treaty is an inheritance, a responsibility, and a relationship. May we be good neighbors to one another, good stewards to our planet, and good ancestors to our children. If you're new here, well, we invite you to stay afterwards because the families are throwing a bit of a small reception, but we also hope that you'll get to know us. If you haven't already done so, please visit our newcomer table or the credenza outside, and you'll find various pamphlets and information, and we would love to have you chat with us if you have any questions. And so we begin this special hour together, so I invite you to quiet your electronic devices, but also yourselves, as much as is reasonably possible with the young audience this morning, so that we can all enjoy the service further. May we be reminded here of our highest aspirations and inspired to bring our gifts of love and service to the altar of humanity. May we know once again that we are not isolated beings, but we are connected in mystery and miracle to the universe, to this community, and to each other. We begin with a time of contemplation and music.
The flaming chalice is the symbol of our religion. It stands for many things, almost as many things as you can imagine, but primarily the warmth of community, the light of the spirit, the lamp of knowledge. May we kindle, may, may the light we now kindle inspire us to use our powers to heal and not to harm, to help and not to hinder, to bless and not to curse, and to serve you, Spirit of Freedom. I'd like to invite the families to come forward for a service of child naming and dedication. <laughs> Just as a, an observation, we have Maureen here, who is the sponsor for Zachariah. Um, but uh, Mike and uh, Oksana have asked that the whole congregation be the sponsors of Little Frederick. But you're, <laughs> but you're not all signing the paper. So, too long. Welcome to the earth, my children. We time-worn folk renew ourselves at your enchanted spring as though life has begun again in you. The ceremony in which we now share expresses the feelings and needs of today, and yet it is also ancient and timeless. In all parts of the world and from the earliest days of which history bears us a record, parents have brought their children at an early age to a place of worship to share their dedication and their thanksgiving with a wider community. Traditionally, the element of water has been part of the service because all life has arisen from the waters, and it's through water that life is sustained and flows forward like a river. Traditionally, also, this is a time to recognize the child by name, for it's by our names that each one of us is acknowledged as an individual, unique, and separate person with a life and dignity of his or her own. This is a public celebration today, shared by parents, friends, and this whole church community, to mark the fact that all of us have a responsibility to care and nurture not these two young men, but all children. It is our task to work, work for a world of peace and justice in which they may have the freedom to grow and find fulfillment. It is our task to share with them our ideals, our reverences, our hopes, our passions, and to help them develop their own. And it's our task to learn from them the zest and wonder of life which all children possess when they come into the world and which we too often lose later in life. So to the parents, may I say, in presenting your child at this service, you invite us all to share in your joy and support you in your dedication as you undertake to help with love and guidance the fullest unfolding of the personality trusted to your care. That undertaking will not always be an easy one. You probably know that already. <laughs> the time will come when you will be called upon to sacrifice ambitions, deny yourselves pleasure, set aside dreams in order that this child may tread more surely the onward path of life. You accept this service to another with whose life your lives are intertwined, knowing that your lives will be richer for it. So, do you now promise 
that by example and affection, no less than by rule, you will, to the best of your ability, help your child to an appreciation of truth and beauty and to an uprightness of character and love. And to the sponsors, so this includes all of you now, do you as sponsors pledge to support the parents as they raise these children entrusted to their care? Well, he came up first on the list, so we'll start with here. What name have you given this child? Frederick Atwood As we touch you with this water, Frederick Atwood Mudry, may you open your eyes to the beauty found in every person. <laughs> Tune your ears to the singing and the sighing. Sing in your pleasures and your pains. Give all of your love and accept joyfully from others. Take pleasure in the work of these hands. Walk gently upon the earth with respect for the interdependent web of existence of which we are all a part. And we pray that Frederick Atwood Mudry will bear his name with pride and that he will bring joy and honor to himself and to all who love him. What name have you given this child? Zachariah Rabi Akari. Zachariah Rabi Akari. As we touch you with this water, may you open your eyes to the beauty found in every oak person. Fooled you. Tune your ears to the singing and the sighing. Sing in the pleasures and in your pains. Give all of your love and accept it joyfully from others. Take pleasure in the work of these hands. Walk gently upon the earth with respect for the interdependent web of existence of which we are all a part. It's up to you. He can have it now. <laughs> You want to have it? <laughs> we pray that Zachariah Rabi Akari will bear his name with pride and that he will bring joy and honor to himself and to all who love him. A reading from Khalil Gibran. Your children are not your children. They are the sons and the daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but they are not from you. And though they are with you, they belong not to you. You may give them your thoughts, but not your... You can give them your love, but not your thoughts, for they have their own thoughts. And you may house their bodies, but not their souls, for their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit, not even in your dreams. You may strive to be like them, but seek not to make them like you, for life goes not backward, nor tarries with yesterday. You are the bows from which your children as living arrows are sent forth. The archer sees the mark upon the path of the infinite, and he bends you with his might that his arrows may go swift and far. So let your bending in the archer's hand be with gladness. For reason, as he loves the arrow that flies, so too he loves the bow that is stable.
a prayer. Our hearts are uplifted with joy and gratitude, surging from the inmost depths of our being as we celebrate the mystery of life ever renewed, which brings us the gift of children. To joy, we add our dedication as we remember that they will live in a world that we are making. And we seek the grace to love them wisely, giving them our strength and guarding them against our weakness. We would help them find their own fulfillment and pass into their keeping the torch of life, its flame burning the more brightly through their aspirations and efforts. We are blessed with the presence of Frederick Atwood Mudri and Zachariah Rabi Akari and their renewal of our human family. So let us carry the joy of their presence deep in our hearts and support us as we return to the world. Thank you. You may sit. And you may open your hymn books to number 238, Within the Shining of the Star. I'd like to invite our young people to come forward and kindle their chalices today, and then we will sing them out with the words that are printed in your order of service. You're going solo, no music this time, just words. Come on up. the long time sun shine upon you and all love surround you and the pure Our community is entirely self-governing and self-supporting. One of the privileges of the free church tradition is that we get to provide all the financial support for the many ministries among ourselves and in the wider world. Generosity, therefore, is one of the spiritual values we recognize as central to our personal and institutional well-being. In addition to supporting our church community, we also make a monthly commitment beyond our walls. And one half of the unidentified cash that comes in is given to an outside organization, some local, some national, and some international. Appropriate for today's service, for this month we are sharing our abundance with Change for Children, which is an organization that tries to help children around the world. There's more information on it in the foyer. You're invited to participate in the celebration of giving as the ushers accept the offering. And if you like, you can use the envelopes found in the inside back cover of your hymn book. 
if you wish to receive a tax receipt for your gift. Any gift over $10 can be receipted. Please indicate on the envelope your contact information so we can send you that receipt at year end. Many of our friends give monthly or annually with automatic deposits and that sort of thing, and we thank them as well. We will now take an offering to support the work of this church. Join in singing the words printed in your order of service to receive our offering. From you I receive, to you I give, together we share and from this we live. From you I receive, to you I give, together we share and from this we live. I'd like to invite you into a quiet time of reflection, probably a shorter silence than usual, since I'm pretty sure we're not going to get much in the way of silence. (laughs) But that's okay. It's silence broken with the joy of new life. I love that. This is by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. In a house which becomes a home, one hands down and another takes up the heritage of mind and heart, laughter and tears, musings and deeds. Love, like a carefully loaded ship, crosses the gulf between generations. Therefore, we do not neglect the ceremonies of our passage, when we wed, when we die, when we are blessed with a child, when we depart, 
and when we return, when we plant and when we harvest. Let us bring up our children. It's not the place of some official to hand to them their heritage. If others impart to our children our knowledge and ideals, they will lose all of us that is wordless and full of wonder. Let us build memories in our children, lest they drag out joyless lives, lest they allow treasures to be lost because they have not been given the keys. We live not by things, but by the meanings of things. It's needful to transmit our passwords from generation to generation. Let us hold silence together. Something today told me to choose that song. I don't know why. This little fellow reminds me of a story. When my younger child was uh, four months old, I was given tickets to the Canadian Briar that was uh, held here in Edmonton. It was an afternoon draw in the middle of the week, so not a lot of people, and we were both there. And um, and she was wearing this orange, you know, those baggy suits that little kids get for the winter. So the lady next to me, sitting next to me, said, can I hold her? And I went, yeah, sure, no problem. Now, this is not a hockey game. This is curling. This is a different kind of audience. So she took him, and then the lady next to her started cooing with her. And about five minutes later, I looked, 
and my daughter was five rows down and 15 seats over. (laughs) And I was completely unconcerned because the sense of community was very strong. So he's cool walking around. I don't mind. That's the way it should be. I want to point out these two books. Uh, they're, the first one got full, so we started a second. And if you look at it, it's the Unitarian Church of Edmonton, Church Register and Record. And these two young men will soon be entered in that record. It is very important to the history of this congregation since its founding 66 years ago. It does not contain minutes or discussions of issues or decisions of service details. It contains the names of people. It starts with the 95 original members who signed up on May 17, 1954, and all who have joined our community since. It contains the names of couples who have married under our auspices, most of them never members, but people who chose Unitarianism to be the anchor for their very special day. It contains the names of those we have memorialized. Again, many of them not from within the community, but many who were. Families, all who needed us in their most difficult times. And it contains the names of children we have welcomed, celebrated, named, and dedicated. Some of these have been the children of church. Others have been from families who are just trying to have a celebration to welcome a child into their extended family. These books are the core records of our congregation. If a church is not about the people who pass through, who stay, who build, who live part of their lives and give parts of their hearts to this place, and yes, perhaps die in this community, then what are we doing here? If we're not about them, about people trying to live their lives well, what are we doing here? These books are the foundational reminders of one of the reasons why this church exists. I've long believed that religion really has two basic purposes, and the first is to help us grasp and explain the things we cannot know, the great mysteries of life and death, of good and evil, intention and randomness. As Rabbi Kushner summed up many years ago in his famous book, we are here to answer the question of why bad things happen to good people as best we can. The second purpose of religion is to help us manage, understand, and honor the passage of life from cradle to grave and many steps in between. Churches bear witness to the passage of lives, to the living of lives, to the successes and the failures in lives, to the very act of living. In every religion I know, and a good many other organizations of a secular nature, There are rites of passage that define their communities, in part, who is inside the circle and who is outside, but the rites also acknowledge transitions in the lives of individuals and help communities notice, pay attention, and respond to the changes in identity for their people. At their most basic level, rites of passage have three core elements 
identified by anthropologists. Separation, liminality, and incorporation. In simpler terms, that means recognizing that for the individual being celebrated, they are leaving one state behind, passing through a doorway, and emerging and being welcomed into a new state of being, welcomed back into their community in a new way. In tribal cultures, these transitions, such as puberty rites, have real important meanings. Old ways of childhood, old behaviors, old dress are left behind. New responses, responsibilities and privileges of adulthood are gained. Now, the Canadian society in which we live is often more lax in acknowledging these personal transitions, but we still have our share of rights. Some are religious, some are distinctly secular, and they're barely even noticed unless one is paying attention. Those of us of European and Christian descent, for example, do not widely practice or offer religious rites or strict rituals marking puberty. And yet we have some social ones. Entrance to high school, obtaining a driver's license, introducing young women to the processes of menstruation all come to mind. But there are three traditionally religious rites in our society that are pretty widely used. This morning, we welcomed and named Zachariah and Frederick not into this church per se, but into the community of human beings. Earlier, I mentioned three anthropological terms, separation, liminality, and incorporation. The first thing we did in this ceremony was mark the fact that they were born, the act of separation from their mother's body where they had been incubated. They emerged into the world as discrete human beings. Now, you may not have noticed, but in the first part of the ceremony, the boys were not acknowledged by name. That's the liminality, the tacit acknowledgement that for a time they are in between the worlds of womb and solo existence. And then finally, they are named, and we adults dedicate ourselves to their well-being. That's the act of incorporation, of acceptance, not just by the parents, but by family, friends, and in many of us, the church community as well. These lads passed from one state of being into another in a spiritual sense rather than a physical sense. Marriage is similar, a passage from individual to couple bound by vows and love and commitment. And finally, there are memorial services where we acknowledge the passage from life to death, whatever may lay beyond. And of course, there's a second passage also being acknowledged in those services, a passage for the living, for the survivors, the surrendering of the physical presence of a loved one to the guardianship of memory. We have to let go. So those of us who survive have to acknowledge that someone has died, grieve for them, and finally let them pass into a place of memory. Now in between, we have all kinds of other rites that are more secular and sometimes very informal. Graduations, anniversaries, house blessings, inductions, swearing-in ceremonies for new citizens, new governments, ordinations, birthdays, moving into care facilities, stages of aging, retirement, 
installing new ministers, and so on and on it goes. And I'm sure you can name many more that you have experienced. Now, perhaps you're not one who's felt the need for such rites and rituals in your life. That's fine. Nothing wrong there. But I think we have to acknowledge that the noticing is still important. I skipped my graduation ceremony from the University of Toronto. I'd gone back to that school to complete a BA after many academic wanderings that we will not discuss. But I had a goal in mind that was well beyond getting that BA. The BA was the tool. It was the keys to the next door. So the graduation didn't feel very significant. It was a means to going to divinity school, and my eye was on the graduation three years in the future. I tend to be a person who acknowledged passages, though. On Wednesday evening, I attended my final board meeting as a minister. By rough count, the last of 350 in my career. And there was no pomp and ceremony required or desired, but I walked out aware that I was leaving a significant chunk of my working life behind. I like those moments. I like noticing. I like paying attention to the separation, the liminality, and the incorporation aspects of these moments, however informal that acknowledgement might be. They're mile markers in life. In some ways, we always remain what we were before, but it's important to see how we are changing too, how doors are opening and closing. In this congregation, we have many traditional transitional rites, not just the big three, Each week, as I mentioned, we mark passages by lighting candles. We have new new member ceremonies and board installations. In my career, for members, I've done house blessings, separation ceremonies for divorcing couples, farewells for people leaving the city, pet funerals, and even a memorial after a miscarriage. In each case, someone has felt the need to mark a transition in their life. And those of us who administer such rites know what a privilege it is to be asked, to be invited into people's lives at high or low moments. Perhaps the most satisfying moments in my years of ministry have come from time spent with families while preparing to perform memorial services. It's an honor to be invited to share their lives at a most vulnerable moment. Earlier, I noted that many rites of passage celebrated in these books were for non-members. As Unitarians, we pride ourselves on principles and respect for diversity of lifestyles and beliefs. We think religion should be open, open and welcoming and not too demanding or restrictive. The people should come and be part of the community only for as long as it feels right for them and as it helps to meet their needs. For some, that's a lifetime. For others, it's mentioned in months or a few years. As part of that ideal, we offer our services and rites of passage to any who need them. Now, frequently, this means people who feel the need for a religious tone in their ceremonies, but who, for a variety of reasons, are not part of a worshiping community. We're okay with that. We believe offering these services to non-members is part of our mandate to serve beyond the walls of this church. We even have, within our national organization, created the office of lay chaplain, trained officiants who provide such services to those in need, most often to those beyond our walls. And Marilyn Gay is our current lay chaplain. 
And of course, we also have Audrey Brooks, who's our kind of internal chaplain. No matter what the theology, what the beliefs, what the practices in any religion, its core has to be the book. No, no, not, not the Bible or the Quran or some other form of scripture. It has to be about these books. The books containing the names of people. For if a religion is not about serving the people, helping them live their lives well, honoring their memories, recording their personal transitions, if we are not about the things that build, honor, and improve connection, that create and support community, what is the point? Zachariah and Frederick, we are blessed by your presence. May you grow well and bless the world with your lives. Amen. Would you join, please, in hymn number 354, We Laugh, We Cry, 354.
Our chalice is extinguished for this week, but its light lives on in the minds and the hearts and the souls of each one of you. So carry it with you when you leave this place and share it with those you know, with those you love, and with those you have yet to meet. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're getting your exercise. You're going to stand and you're going to sit, okay? We're going to stand and as much as you're able with children in arms, hold a hand of someone next to you. We have a simple song that we sing, um, carry the flame of peace and love until we meet again.